Wine and Crime contains graphic and explicit content which may not be suitable for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Chug wine, chat true crime, and unleash their worst Minnesotan accents. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and moan a lot. And moan. <laughs> it's a moany moany kind of day. <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me moaning, friggin' moaning, tell you. <laughs> kind of on it. Yep. It's In like, a depressed man's world. It's like 70 <laughs> degrees outside here and beautiful and what? sunny. And it's I, so gorgeous here, too. It's, it's like 60-something. Yeah, what? It's, it's yeah. gorgeous. And I'm just like, uh, like looking out the window. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> so that's good, right? That's a good sign. I'm fine. I had a great day. <laughs> wow. so fucking good. Oh, it's what? the first day of March as we're recording. Yep. We have a warm-ish, sunny day here in Des Moines, Iowa, and I am living. We When we were figuring out when we wanted to start our recording session for the day, mm-hmm. Lucy was like, I'm going to need a 20-minute warning. I'm pooping at Lachelle's. Well... <laughs> I got a wild hair. I went down to Lachelle's. I had a poop attack because I had like four Topo Chico's. It's fine. Yum. <laughs> Have you had the Topo Chico hard seltzer? They're so good. <gasps> I'm having the strawberry guava right now. It's yummy. Awesome. Yum. Apparently triggered a BM, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, I love a booze that keeps your reg. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alcoholic prune juice. Mm. Oh, that's the Yum. good stuff. That's Perfect for your mid-30s. And, oh, yeah. uh, and beyond. And to infinity and beyond. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, names. I'm Kenyon. All right. Oh, I'm Lucy. I'm out of the bathroom now. Oh, nice. I'm Amanda. And uh, yeah, there it is. There's mm-hmm. me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing else to offer. That's oh. all. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. Well, despite how we sound, <laughs> we have a very special fan pick this week brought to you by Cindy Bianco. Oh, yeah. Cindy has selected the topic of comedian crimes. Because yes. this is a comedy show. Technically, yeah. Technically, this we is sh- a comedy show. We should call our genre crimedy. Crimedy. That's. Sweet crimedy. <laughs> Let's workshop it. <laughs> crimedy Willi- crimedy Willikers. Okay, so Amanda, <laughs> what is our wine crime pairing for <laughs> comedian crimes? Oh my God. Well, uh, oh, thank you to our fan picker, Cindy Bianco, for sending me down a rabbit hole of celebrity owned wine and liquor companies Mm. (laughs) and i found a venture of one of my faves a comedian named eric wareheim i'm fucking obsessed with him tim and eric yes yes and uh bay area winemaker joel burt they started this wine company in 2014 and it's called laharas wines out of california is eric the tall one or the not tall one the tall and formidable sized one 
Okay, I bought Corey a cookbook oh, of his recently. Me too. We both have that. Yeah. From, uh, it's from... Uh, he was in Master of None. Yes. Yeah. He yes. is an odd size and shape. And yes. an odd individual who I love. And yeah. one of their wines, the one we're drinking today, is based on beloved character Dr. Steve Brule, played by John <laughs> C. Riley, on the show Tim and Eric, awesome show, great job which is like an absolutely absurd, surrealist sketch comedy show based I on public access television. I can't handle it. It is oh. too... Cre- I, it's there's really something weird. about it that Bill and just, I love it. It's unsettling. <laughs> don't it's you, so unsettling. Don't you have a framed photo of yes. the character, Dr. Steve Brule? Yeah, one of my first toilet? ever... Yes, in my bathroom, one of my first ever frame bridge purchases was a gift <laughs> for Bill. And it was just a framed picture of Dr. C. Brule on set and he had I sent it to his work when he used to work in an office and he had it in his office and people at the office thought it was a framed photo of his dad. I would have thought that. I would have assumed that. It's like nope that's John C. Riley. So this is Tom? Um, okay. Yeah. Bill so, has a John C. Riley-esque yes. aura yeah. about him. Look, yeah sense mm-hmm. of humor. It's all there. I love yeah. John C. Riley. So mm-hmm. this show is based on like public access television and features some authentic California public access weirdos. It's so amazing. <laughs> I've seen this show live when they toured several years ago and was brought up on stage <gasps> to play musical chairs with John C. Riley as Dr. What? Steve Rule. Yeah, I don't know remember that happening. Yeah. Well, I was dating Blam, so oh. it was a while back. Oh, and I also participated in like a fake onstage wedding between characters at the show. It was the highlight of my life. It's amazing. Oh my God. So Brule, Dr. C. Brule does a segment on this show called Check It Out with Dr. C. Brule. <laughs> and it, in one of these segments, he is wine tasting and he keeps referring to it as sweet berry wine. <laughs> and I have a clip of it. And the wine we're drinking today is the Dr. C. Brule sweet berry wine. Oh my <laughs> and God. And the, the label is like a creepy wine watercolor of Dr. C. Brule, like covered in, because in the clip, which you won't be able to see it, but I'm going to play the audio of it. His face is just, he has like Kool-Aid mouth, but with wine, his teeth are all red. He just oh. looks like <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> and he's clearly wasted. <laughs> it's just like, this is the most exquisite bottle of wine I've ever fucking seen in my life. <laughs> so to give you some context, here is the clip of Sweet Berry Wine, Dr. Steve Brule. Here we go. Special guest, Dr. Steve Brule is up in wine country. He's going to show us a thing or two about the differences between different kinds of wine. Steve? <laughs> hey, Jenny, hey, Wayne. I don't even like wine. But guess what? You're going to like it. I need some cheese. Steve, what kind of wine is that you're drinking? I can't see, him. Sweet berry wine! <laughs> <laughs> oh. Spit it out. <laughs> but no way, Jose, am I spitting this stuff out? It tastes like fruit. <laughs> wine was invented by the Romans for orgies. And orgies are not too much fun if no one wants to do with you. You want to check on Steve real quick? Tell him how it tastes, Steve. All right, let's do it. Steve? Steve, are you okay over there? There's all kinds of other wines. Peanut Noir? Peanut Noir? They got all different kinds, and that's not Steve. I'm next to Steve Rule for your wine. 
honestly might even be better just as audio because I'm just imagining. I'll send you the clip. The, the crash. Funny. I, he knocks over the whole fucking table of wine. I just love it. Are we going to get sued for playing? No. I don't know. No. It's a clip. It's a clip. It's, it's fine. Yeah, I cited. I cited it. So today we are drinking the Sweetberry Wine Red Blend. It has a it has rich aromas of dark cherry, plum, and blackberry, as well as hints of cocoa nibs, allspice, and damp earth. Oh, like petrature, like right after you the rain. Mm. Petricor, petricor. When the spores are released. Oh, I love a good spore. Wormy. So, that oh, like smell so of spring is yeah. actually just spores. I get I it. love it. Mm. Oh, anyway. God, sorry. So when you take a sip, you'll find blue fruit, deep cherry, caraway, and saline earth with supple tannins and a long, savory finish. Mm. This is a Carignan Vin- Zinfandel Syrah blend and clocks in at 13.15 ABV. Shall we pop? Yes. So I are. Oh, yay. <laughs> okay, for your pop. Here we go. <laughs> Oh, oh wow. some sweet berry wine. Sweet berry wine. <laughs> sweet berry pop. Peanut <laughs> noir. <laughs> oh, my God. Of course. We're off not- to a good start. <laughs> oh, God. Don't spill on your computer. Don't go over the table. I didn't, I didn't hear a crash behind you. <laughs> yeah. I should have. We should have. We're in- <laughs> oh, my God. What is that? What the fuck was that? Who's doing that? I, I just had some shit on my desk that I. Oh my god! Your, fo- your foley work is incredible. Thank you. Oh my oh god! My Custom god, foley work by Kenyon Lynch. Special effects master. Yes, well <laughs> done. You know that's what you get when you have a leftover can of sparkling water and a bowl of. Sweet Parmesan cheese crust <laughs> and a fork left on Parmesan, your desk. A bowl of Parmesan cheese crust. Yeah. Like I had like pasta with Uh-oh. Parmesan cheese. Uh-oh. No, craft, obviously. <laughs> you think I am. And then I poured so much of the Parmesan cheese onto the pasta that there's just a whole coating. Got it. I get it. Got it. Yep. I get I, it. I had a hard time visualizing it at first, but now I'm there. Yeah. She also puts a good amount of butter in there. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that adds to the, the crispiness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or olive oil. The sheen. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Lucy, what is our background and maybe psych for comedian crimes? Oh. Well, we do have psych, but also, as a listener pointed out recently, if I keep shaking my goat bones, they're going to turn to dust sooner rather than later. So I'm just maybe not going to do that anymore. No, you got to. Just gently shake shake them. them a little bit. Just a little bit. Like I mean, I not can't today. Find we have goat sight. bones anymore. Oh yeah, we have sight. Yeah, okay. I just oh, yeah. it a little bit. Okay. <laughs> So in 1941, E.B. White famously said, quote, humor can be dissected as a frog can, but the thing dies in the process and the innards are discouraging to any but the pure scientific mind. Mm-hmm. So today we're going to dissect this frog. All right. We're going to talk about what makes things funny. But before we get started, do you guys want to hear a joke about potassium? 
Oh my sure. god! Do you remember when you used to do a joke at the end of? Well, not every episode. The end the of every episode. Tradition of our entire career. <laughs> this episode is full of jokes. So, <laughs> right? to start us off, do you want to hear a joke about potassium? Yes, sure. finally, yes. Okay. I hate you. Oh, <laughs> wow. uh, it's gonna, it's gonna be like that, huh? <laughs> Uh, this is it. This so is happening. I think I think we might commit the crime by oh. the end of the episode. Maybe. I think I'm I think I'm going through a tunnel. I'm losing ya. <laughs> Why don't pirates take a shower before they walk the plank? It's too hard. No, but that's a good one. They just wash up on shore. Oh, oh my, my god. god. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So there are lots of theories that try to explain how comedy works. The oldest theory dating back to Plato and other ancient Greek philosophers says that people find humor in and laugh at earlier versions of themselves and also the misfortunes of others because they like to feel superior. Yes. I mean, <laughs> kind of sometimes also leave it to Freud to come up with this specific theory of laughter. Quote, it allows people to let off steam or to release pent-up nervous energy. Oh, my mm. God. So mm. according to Freud, this process explains why taboo, scatological, and sexual themes and jokes that broach thorny social and ethnic topics can amuse us. I mean, but that's the true. When the punchline comes, the energy being expended to suppress inappropriate emotions, such as desire or hostility, is no longer needed and it is released as laughter. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, like, I get it, but also that's very a very Freudian fucking thing to say. Uh, yeah, I hate Freud. It's also, like, <laughs> none of these theories are, like, all-encompassing. They're, mm -hmm. like, describing certain genres of jokes. Mm, we'll mm. get to it. We... Okay. We'll get to it. But first, a man walks into a rooftop bar and oh. takes a seat next to another guy. What are you drinking? He asks the guy. Magic beer, he says. Oh, yeah? What's so magical about it? Then the first man shows him. He swigs some beer. He dives off the roof. He flies around the building. And then he finally returns to his seat with a triumphant smile. That's amazing, the man says. Let me try some of that. So he grabs the beer, he downs the whole beer, he jumps off the roof, and he plummets 15 stories to the ground to his death. Uh. The bartender shakes his head and says, you know, you're a real asshole when you're drunk, Superman. This, this is, this is going to hurt. This, is, this, this whole is episode's going to It is hurting. Hurt. <laughs> you're so pleased with yourself. Like, you are a genuinely funny person. <laughs> So why are, are you doing this to us? The choices that you were making. <laughs> like you're I, one of the funniest people I know. And yet. <laughs> these jokes really get me. Don't worry. There's more. Oh, oh I know. That's why I'm I worry. know. We see your little dots every other paragraph. I know that that is your code for insert bad dad joke here. Oh, my God. So here's a quote from Scientific American. A third longstanding explanation of humor is the theory of incongruity. So people laugh at the juxtaposition of incompatible concepts at the defiance of their expectations. That is, at the incongruity between expectations and reality. 
According to a variant of the theory known as resolution of incongruity, laughter results when a person discovers an unexpected solution to an apparent incongruity, such as when an individual grasps a double meaning in a statement and thus sees the statement in a completely new light. So basically the three jokes that you just did. Mm -hmm. But none of these three theories Mm -hmm. really sufficiently capture all types of humor, as Kenyon pointed out. Mm -hmm. So what has four legs and one arm? (laughs) Four legs and one arm. I don't know. A broken chair? (laughs) A happy tiger. Oh, amazing. <laughs> oh, I get it. Because he bit an arm. Okay. Off of somebody. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hate you so fucking much. Did you hear about the mathematician who's afraid of negative numbers? It's not rational. He'll stop at nothing to avoid them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even... I mean, I get it, but like... <laughs> I, I thought I nailed math. that one, but <laughs> yeah. I really blew it. <laughs> I I really hate this. How long I'm is in your hell. segment? Yeah, is it so- over yet? <laughs> <laughs> there are a couple of researchers named Peter McGraw and Caleb Warren who have been studying humor at the University of Colorado Boulder. They've created the Humor Research Lab, which uses the benign violation theory as its foundation. So this is like the most comprehensive theory of humor that we kind of have today. Okay. So, quote, the theory builds on work by a linguist named Tom Veach. Yikes. Veach. (laughs) Veach. And integrates existing humor theories to propose that humor occurs when and only when three conditions are satisfied. So, number one, a situation is a violation. Number two, the situation is benign. And number three, both perceptions occur simultaneously. Okay. So, so a very basic example, play fighting and like tickling, which mm-hmm. produces laughter in humans and other primates, we'll get to it, are benign violations because they are physically threatening, but they're harmless attacks. Mm. A so strength. Okay. What? So because- I disagree that tickling is harmless, but yes. <laughs> so because... Number two, the situation being benign is a little bit subjective. That's why sometimes some jokes yep. are like offensive. Land and some don't. Yeah. Yep. We'll and- get to it. So okay. let me just finish this quote. I think it'll clear a lot of things up. A strength of the theory is that it also explains when things are not funny. So a situation can fail to be funny because it depicts a violation that does not simultaneously seem benign or because it depicts a benign situation that has no violation. So, for example, play fighting and tickling cease to elicit laughter either when the attack stops, so it's strictly benign, or if the tickling becomes too aggressive, so that's a, a violation. Mm-hmm. Tickling Jokes. is also not a joke, so I don't like that, but it is helping illustrate this. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll, we'll kind of get to that, too. Jokes similarly fail to be funny when either they are too tame or too risque. According to the theory, a violation refers to anything that threatens one's beliefs about how the world should be. That is, something seems threatening, unsettling, or wrong. From an evolutionary perspective, humorous violations likely originated as threats to physical well-being, for example, the attacks that make up tickling and play fighting, 
but expanded to include threats to psychological well-being, for example, insults or sarcasm, including behaviors that break social norms, for example, strange behaviors, flatulence, (laughs) or cultural norms, for example, unusual accents, like most scenes from the movie Borat, Mm -hmm. or linguistic norms, for example, puns, malapropisms. The highest form of humor. Mm-hmm. Oh, or logic <laughs> or logic norms, for example, absurdities or non sequiturs and moral norms such as disrespectful behavior or bestiality. That escalated so, quickly. Mm-hmm. I know it's a weird it's a real fast. Well, they're just examples. <laughs> disrespectful like, behavior like bestiality. bestiality. <laughs> There's zero to sixty. I mean that Let's being go. said. I have covered various bestiality stories on this podcast, and every single case has killed. (laughs) (laughs) You're not wrong. Or at least put to sleep. It says a lot about (laughs) all of us. Society. Put that in your wet slit and smoke it. Oh, Ah! my God. Your vaginal slit. (laughs) So Helvetica and Times New Roman walk into a bar, and the bartender shouts, Get out of here! We don't serve your type! (laughs) I (laughs) here's another one a woman in labor a woman in labor is screaming shouldn't wouldn't couldn't didn't can't the doctor says don't worry those are just contractions (laughs) oh okay yep wow (laughs) English major is chortling I got these chortle I got so these from Reader's tragic. Digest. Yeah, yeah, you did. I uh, oh, you don't okay. say. I was gonna save this for an unimpressed episode, but it's a little too small to make up a full episode. So People let me just rant to you about Digest. this pet <laughs> Okay, lately the fortune cookies that I've been getting from Chinese food aren't fortunes. Mm. They're just they're, bad jokes. They're bad jokes. They're yeah. like popsicle jokes. I feel I've like known, that's been I've, happening for yeah. a while. Unfortunately. <gasps> mm. yeah. What the fuck? It's yeah. not it's not great. Sign of the times. It's terrible. And I realize that fortune cookies are like not any kind of authentic anything. <laughs> but there is a right way and a wrong way to do a fortune cookie. I'm mm. sorry. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, this next one might make you feel better because this maybe is my favorite one. What does a nosy pepper do? What? Gets jalapeno business. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. I've told shit. that joke to quite a few do- people. <laughs> wow. God. Do you have a subscription to Reader's Are you? Digest? Yeah, you are not no. well. <laughs> I, uh, my grandparents used to, and I used to read it when I went over to their house when I was really young. Yeah. I was kind of raised by Reader's Digest. Can you tell? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. It's so here's another. Apparent. Here's another example of like, like a joke prank sort of a thing. And this is a quote from PsychologicalScience.org. Quote: In 1957, the BBC aired a short documentary about a mild winter leading into. A, or leading to a bumper Swiss spaghetti crop. Is in this the t- a joke? Just listen. Is this a lead up to a joke? If this is a lead up to a joke, this we are is part of my actual upset. notes. Okay. This is part of my actual notes. 
Okay, documentary about a mild winter leading to a bumper Swiss spaghetti crop in the town of Tocino. In a dry, distinguished tone, BBC broadcaster Richard Dimpleby, Dimpleby no. No. narrates no. how even in the last few weeks of March, the spaghetti farmers worry about a late frost, which might not destroy the pasta crop, but it could damage the flavor and hurt prices. The narration accompanies film footage of a rural family harvesting long spaghetti noodles from trees and laying them out to dry in the warm alpine sun. Oh, my God. (laughs) A ton of people totally bought this prank without realizing that it was published on April 1st. And they Uh wrote into BBC asking where they could get their own spaghetti bushes. Wow. Wow, wow, This is a funny situation because of the juxtaposition of the super dry BBC reporter talking about something Mm -hmm. that's logistically outrageous and it's made even more funny because a lot of people believed it. Yes. But Mm -hmm. it's a harmless prank that hurts no one so there's like the benign factor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But people who might not have found it funny might be those who thought it was true, called the BBC and were (laughs) thusly embarrassed slash hurt by the joke. Mm Oh, it's so perfect and so stupid. What do you call a parade of rabbits hopping backwards? I don't know. <laughs> Kenny and Ace, it's so <laughs> I much. Really do. The heavy sigh every time. Re- I don't know what. A receding hairline. <laughs> All right, I kind of like that one. <laughs> I kind of like that one. God. Why don't calculus? <laughs> why don't calculus majors throw house parties? I don't know. Because you should never drink and derive. Oh, my God. That's really... Enough with the math. Yeah. None of us why? made it to calculus. Yeah. Okay? Why you, precisely. Why are you doing this? Not, we shouldn't even get that. We yeah. vaguely get that. Thank you. Thank you. It's defying science that we follow that one at calculus. all. calculus. Not even no. pre-calc. Okay. I didn't even make it to Recalc. Mm-hmm. Okay. What did the bald man exclaim? Uh, what did the bald man exclaim when he received a comb for a present? I don't know. What? Thanks. I'll never part with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. That one reminds me of, of Amanda's Oh, a thousand percent. He, if he'd known that joke. <laughs> That would have been a Mike Jacobson <laughs> shortlist go-to. Oh, Amanda, did your dad ever want to work at IHOP? Because of his leg. <laughs> okay, you guys. This is still a podcast. <laughs> thousand percent. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so Peter McGraw, the Humor Institute guy, has Tim done McGraw. a Jim McGraw has done a ton of studies on not only time but also geographical and emotional remoteness or like distance yeah. and their effects on how funny something is. So in one, quote, volunteers were amused by macabre photos such as a man with his with a finger stuck up his nose and out his eye. 
Oh my god. So so they laughed at it if the if the images were presented as effects created with Photoshop, but participants were significantly less amused if told the images were authentic. Yeah. Oh my, yeah. Uh, so sometimes you know. something's less funny if it's real, but conversely mm-hmm. people laughed at more banal ab- anomalies such as a man with a frozen beard if they believed them to be true. So some things are more funny because they're true and some things are more funny because they're not true. Right. Huh. It's why, like, it's uh, it's such a letdown when some of the, like, funny headline emails yes. that we get yes. turn out to just be fakes. Yeah. It's like, that's, that, that ruins it. The mm-hmm. reason they're funny mm-hmm. is because they're, they're absurd and real. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So McGraw argues that there seems to be an optimal comic point where the balance is just right between how bad a thing is and how distant it is, whether that's time-wise or geography or, like, cognitively. Sure. I feel that, but at the same time, I've, it doesn't capture the, like, in group versus out group thing and the punching up versus punching down. Mm. Well, we'll kind of get to Aspect? that too. Okay. But first, what did the tin man say when he I got when he got run <laughs> over by a steamroller? Wait, Oil can. I have a guess. I have I a guess. Know. Okay. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, I have a guess. <laughs> Stop everything. <laughs> so fucking stupid. We have just lost every listener no. of this show. Today. This so, is it. When the this tin man got really run over. When the tin man got run episode. over by a steamroller, he said, Curses, foil again. Because no. <laughs> he's foiled then. Tin man. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Laughter is an important social tool. Babies start to laugh as early as six weeks old. And I also read from another source, it could be as early as 17 days, which is kind of gross to me. That's terrifying. Picturing like a brand new baby laughing. I don't like that. I always thought that that when they were that little, any like laugh, and you're like, oh, look, he's laughing. He's smiling. And that it was just gas. Yeah, it's like, nah, he's shitting his pants. Well, maybe. <laughs> Give him room. Either <laughs> way, those, like, back those, up. <laughs> <laughs> on whatever level it is, some sort of neural impulses are causing the uh, a smile and, like, a laugh reaction. Okay. And I don't like it. And laughter is <laughs> universal across cultures. And it also isn't just for humans. So researchers at UCLA have uh, identified 65 species of animals who make, quote, play vocalizations, a.k.a. laughter. This list includes apes, rats, domestic cows, foxes, dogs, seals, mongooses, and certain birds. Mongoose. Mongoose. (laughs) Rats? So these vocalizations are demonstrated in varying pitches. For example, a rat's laugh is ultrasonic, so you need special instruments to hear it. But and they found out like other rats can hear it. Yeah, but like their necks are especially ticklish. So like if you tickle the nape of a rat's neck, that's nope. what that's what makes them giggle. Nope. <laughs> and I'm I also doing found, that. I also found uh, a YouTube video of foxes laughing. So I'm going to play that for you right what now. What does the fox say? Oh, my Here's God. Here's what the fox says. Play. 
What? Absolutely not. <laughs> so this person's tickling these foxes and they're laughing like that. It sounds yeah. just like human laughing sped up. I know. <laughs> oh, that is the worst thing I've ever heard. It's so oh. cute. No, it is the not. The foxes' name are Dixie and Finnegan. <laughs> foxes are super cute. And if I wasn't terrified of them, I would be really into them. Oh. What do you call what do you call a fake noodle? A noodle? An impasta. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> what did one hat say to the no! other? Oh <laughs> what did one hat say to the other? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You wait um, here, I'll go on ahead. <laughs> these I want everyone to know that these jokes aren't even noted. In no. the notes. So we can't avoid them. They are being forced upon us. Mm-hmm. I had already very... counted how many jokes we had left to endure. This is very and bad. these are surprise jokes. We are we are in harm's way. We are requesting assistance. I am not well. well. Not well. So there are two different types of laughter. Spont- uh, quote, spontaneous, emotional, impulsive, and involuntary laughter is a genuine expression of amusement and joy and is a reaction to playing or joking around. It shows up in the smiles of a child or during roughhousing or tickling. Ugh, this- with the tickling. Why all the wow. tickling? I don't know. This what is- are these psychologists doing? This display Stop of amusement... <laughs> well, the article I read about the rats, there was like a researcher that wrote like, it's kind of interesting that my career is literally tickling rats, but here we are. Oh, oh <laughs> God. This display of amusement is so like legit laughter is called Duchenne laughter after a scholar named Guillaume Benjamin Armand Duchenne de Bologna. Wow. So they shortened it to Duchenne, who first described it in the mid 19th century. Conversely, non-Duchenne laughter is a studied and not very emotional Im- imitation of spontaneous laughter. So, Any like when you say a male stranger talks to me, yeah, uh-huh. Kenyon does uh-huh. a non-Duchenne laughter quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, quite well. Sometimes, sometimes I just need like a second to process, and so I fill in that gap moment with a fake laugh. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. People employ it as a voluntary social strategy. For example, when their smiles and laughter punctuate ordinary conversation, even when those chats are not particularly funny. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These two kinds of laughter come from different parts of the brain. So Duchenne laughter arises in the brainstem and the limbic system, which is responsible for emotions, whereas non-Duchenne laughter is controlled by the voluntary premotor areas which are thought to participate in planning movements of the frontal cortex. So we we literally can't help it when it's actually funny. Yeah. And when it's fake laughing, it is just like a defense ver- mechanism. Very planned and very like mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh-huh. 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 Yeah. Why did the nurse funny. Why did the nurse bring a red pen to work? Lachelle, why? In case she needed to draw blood. Oh, my God. 
That's sorry. I'm no. You're encouraging you? it. I'm removing my headphones for this joke. I need to remove my sweater. And don't worry, you don't need to catch me up. I'll I'll wait. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> I said she I'd wait. waited. I waited. Damn. Where do you find a cow? Where do you find a cow with no legs? Oh, right no where legs. you left it. <laughs> oh my god. Oh! Sometimes, it is, sometimes it involves visualization and a cow plopped in a field with no legs but not hurt somehow is very funny <laughs> it's right where you left it where's it wow. gonna go oh my god okay all right quote ultimately primate laughter was gradually co-opted and elaborated through human biological and cultural evolution in several stages between four and two million years ago, Duchenne laughter became a medium of emotional contagion, a social glue in long extinct human an ancestors. It promoted interaction among members of a group in periods of safety and satiation. So like laughter was a sign of like a good time. Mm -hmm. uh, laughter by group members in response to what Wilson and Gervais, which was I whatever Ricky Gervais. ask look at the citations Luke Wilson and Ricky Gervais laughter by group members in response to Luke Wilson and Ricky Gervais call proto humor or non-serious violations of social norms was a reliable indicator of such relaxed safe times and paved the way to playful emotions when later why? ancestors oh what? I was just gonna ask why are we attracted to people with good senses of humor I think because Sometimes they you have no other redeeming quality. <laughs> <laughs> I think because like is. biologically, if somebody makes us laugh and who we can laugh with, we feel safe around them. It's and it, like releases it's, serotonin it's not, and shit. Yeah, and it's like the opposite of aggression. Okay. okay, so when later ancestors acquired more sophisticated cognitive and social skills, Duchenne laughter and proto-humor became the basis for humor in all its most complex facets and also for new functions. Now, non-Duchenne laughter, along with its dark side, appeared, which is strategic, calculated, and even derisory and aggressive. So non-Duchenne laughter can be like if you're laughing at somebody – Mm. Or like if you're if you're doing it to be like like cruel. Yeah, I, I think of like the Joker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's sometimes assholes also laugh for realsies, but they're assholes. Mm. Yeah. Uh, how does a rabbi make his coffee? <laughs> he brews it. Oh my god. Oh wow. <laughs> <laughs> I liked that one. Even though Jesus humor, Christ. even though humor and laughter are actually pretty loosely tied together, because laughter is more so a bonding function in social groups rather than the result of a joke. Specifically, if they're my jokes, here are some <laughs> laughter facts for you. Laughing, laugh for, facts. laughing for ten minutes burns about fifty calories. Lies. So actually, lies. Recording our podcast is burning quite a it's actually burning. There's just out. no way that that's true. I know. <laughs> There's just I would be I've Giselle Munchen. 
<laughs> if that were fucking true. So when you laugh, your diaphragm is spasming, and that's why mm-hmm. it's hard to catch your breath. That's just like what a laugh is. And that's also why Kenyon wheezes when she laughs. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Laughing causes a hormone called HGH to be released. HGH boosts your immune system and helps you fight germs. So laughing is actually really good for you. It's the best medicine. (laughs) (laughs) They they also say that it kind of staves off conditions that we get when we're older, like Alzheimer's and dementia and memory loss and all that stuff. Like like laughing actually helps your brain kind of keep all that at bay. In a Northwestern University study of more than 300 people, those with the short allele of gene 5-HTTLPR are quicker to laugh at cartoons or funny movie clips than those with the long version of the gene. That particular gene has long been associated with the study of depression, but this is the first study to look at its connection to positive emotions. People with short alleles may flourish in a positive environment and like majorly suffer in a negative one says study co-author Claudia M. Hayes. While people with long alleles are less sensitive to emotional conditions. They're just more like even keeled. Yeah. Mm. So like if you have have shorter alleles, that means according to this, you'll probably think more things are funny, but you also might be more likely to be depressed. Okay, that's the comedian and depression link. Mm -hmm. Right there, short alleles. Uh-huh. Some some uh-huh. people also have a phobia of laughter, and so yeah. like the so like all of this is all goes into the science behind why some people literally cannot take a joke. Mm-hmm. And my last That's joke sad. for us today is good God, okay. I got my friend a fridge for her birthday. I can't wait to see her face light up when she opens it. Good one. All right. Great one to end on. Wow. I have never wanted an ad break so much. Why do you hate my jokes? They're funny. Lucy. You knew what you were doing. Yeah, you did this on purpose. Don't act surprised. I love it. Don't be a cancer right now and actually yeah. get sensitive that we're not laughing hard enough at your intentionally you bad, bad jokes. jokes. You that never is not like fucking my true. Joke. Okay, we're going to handle this off air. We're fighting now. That is we're so not true. Gonna, we're going to hear a quick word <laughs> from our sponsors. Kenny and I are feeling attacked <laughs> by the fallacy of this entire conversation. Oh, my God. <laughs> we'll be right back. Do your friends and family look at you sideways like they know something's different, but they can't maybe put their finger on it? They're a little bit... Is it a new outfit? Is it what's different about you? Have you well, always worn glasses? <laughs> <laughs> you look prettier than normal. <laughs> Did you brush your teeth? Yes. <laughs> I showered lately. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> well, it is happening to me like more lately, more than normal. They ask about my makeup, my skincare, but they never seem to just pinpoint that it's my hair. Because it is looking thicker, more luxurious, fuller since I started using Vegamore. 
Vegamore mm. is a transformative 100% vegan and holistic approach to hair health that leverages smart botanicals, clinically proven to promote visibly thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. This is no joke. I use their entire suite. So like Ooh. there's a serum that you put on your scalp afterwards. You get the shampoo, the conditioner. You have this beautiful like mousse that's just like a cloud in your hands. It just makes I was picturing an actual moose, the animal for a second there. <laughs> Very different. I was like, in your wow. hands. Yes. Strong. Different kind of cloud-like moose. <laughs> but Vegamore's Grow Revitalizing Shampoo and Conditioner Kit and Grow Serum work together to create visibly thicker hair and improve hair from the roots. It's the whole strand, people. Mm-hmm. It is so easy to use. You just massage that shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds and then follow up with the conditioner. All of this smells phenomenal, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love it. And mm-hmm. for prime results, follow up your wash routine with a daily dropper full of the serum. Super yeah. easy. You just apply uh, apply that to your scalp and then massage it in, and then you're done. It is that fast. It is that easy. I also have their little rubber, like... Yes, the massaging he- head, brush. Head massager. Oh, my oh, God. That's the best. Get I use it today. Get that blood flowing. Yep. To your scalp. I, I like to use it in the shower, like with my shampoo. Mm-hmm. Yes. So like yes. wash my scalp. I'm obsessed with it. Yeah, it it's, gets all the gunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it feels so fancy and so luxurious. And it is just really, really worth it. Vegamore mm-hmm. products are an essential part of my daily hair care routine. Like I said, smells so good. I love just, it's a self-care moment, you know? Mm-hmm. You know we love those. Yep. And all Vegamore products are 100% vegan and cruelty-free and never contain parabens or hormones. Mm, that's Vegamore, a bonus. That's huge. Vegamore has something for everyone looking to improve their hair health. They help give you back healthy, beautiful-looking hair without harmful chemicals. And best of all, Vegamore has a 90-day money-back guarantee even better, 91% of customers say they saw visibly thicker hair with Vegamore in just three months of use. Whoa, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's true. Our hair is looking thicker and fuller, and I'm telling you, I'm getting my confidence back. And that's thanks to Vegamore. Try Vegamore risk-free for 90 days. Trust us, you're going to love it. Go to vegamore.com slash gals and use code gals to save 20% on your first order. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash gals, code gals, to save 20% at vegamore.com slash gals. And treat your hair. Treat it. Treat it. You know... Working from home, living at home. Never leaving that, your home. Never leaving home. <laughs> and a spouse that also works and lives at home. Good Lord. You got to take moments to yourself. You got to mm-hmm. make the best of those moments when you turn off your brain and you shut out all other stimuli yep. to get a break from <laughs> your life. Okay. <laughs> Do you need help? No, I need a vacation. But when I have a few minutes to spare, I go on a brain vacation with Best Fiends. It is hands down my favorite puzzle game. I'm obsessed with it. And I also love it like when we're traveling because you don't need internet to play it. So you can play it on an airplane. You can play it anywhere. I play it in the bathtub. I play it on the couch while ignoring my partner. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. It truly is a vacation for your brain. Yeah. It is my 
favorite pastime. I play it every single day. I'm currently mm -hmm. on level 1,023. Woo! Very, proud, very, mm -hmm. very proud of myself. Yes. So Best Fiends is a mobile puzzle game that anyone can download and play, whether you have a few minutes or a few hours. Hours, trust me, hours. <laughs> Best Fiends is the perfect puzzle game to just lose yourself, go on a brain vacay, because mm -hmm. you're just having so much fun. Like Amanda said, you don't need the internet to play it. Uh, I recently took a trip. I was on a plane, had a couple layovers. It wasn't mm. the best, but also... I just like playing Best Fiends, listening to a podcast on the airplane. It was mm -hmm. so soothing. Yep. Mm -hmm. Just makes That's relaxation, baby. That is self-care. That is relaxation. So this game features tons of cute little characters. They're like based on bugs. <laughs> They're so cute. They're so cute. There are so many of them. They help you solve thousands of fun puzzles. The more you play, the more characters you can collect. It is... Once you pop, you can't stop. If you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And the more you win, the more challenges you face. They've got fun, like, explosives. Like, some levels you have to, like, collect as many yellow flowers or mm -hmm. blue raindrops as you can. They keep it fresh. They do. They really do keep it fresh. It is really, like I said, totally relaxing. New characters and challenging puzzles are added all the time. And there are tons of fun, like, seasonal events mm -hmm. where you can win big rewards, like, in yeah. the game. Yeah. So there was recently, or I guess right now, there's like a pinata event. Yes. And you can earn bats and then like super powered bats where you bash the pinatas and then you get like all these free energy prizes and whatnot. Yes. It's the best. It's fun. Who doesn't it, love a pinata? I a love a pinata. Total rush of endorphins. And with mm -hmm. thousands of levels, you can literally play as long as you want and you'll never get bored. Trust us. So download Best Fiends free today on the App Store or Google Play. That's friends without the R, Best Fiends. Well, I hope you got your laughs out because it just gets really sad from oh, here. It's <laughs> big, fat, same on my case. Oh, Canadian crimes. Cool. <laughs> I should have saved some of my jokes for yeah, to intersperse your Google any. Listen, no. I'd rather be sad. If I hear be sad. one keyboard <laughs> click out of you, <laughs> get your Go Play Animal Crossing or Best Fiends. I'd rather be sad. Okay. So. <laughs> Did you um, mute us? Did no. you mute? <laughs> Did I? Okay. I thought you did for a second. <laughs> All right. So this, my case comes with... A, a pre-case story, and mm -hmm. who would like to tell it? Oh, oh I will. All right. Hey. <laughs> Go ahead. Are you talking about our show in New Orleans? Yes, I am. Yes. So we had a live show in New Orleans when we were there for CrimeCon several years ago, and I don't remember what it was called, like the Howlin' Wolf or something like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. the venue was, like, cool and very grungy. It a was rat walked authentic. across the stage behind us during the show. It yeah. was fine. A rat. <laughs> I mean, maybe it was laughing. We just couldn't hear it. Sauntered across the stage. You, but rats laugh. She was just listening to our set. She loved right. it. I'll have the rats laugh. So we are doing our show and about halfway through... Ignoring the rat. 
our friend Jen runs up and she's like, and she whispers to Kenyon. We're like, well, this is must be an emergency. Someone's like coming on stage and whispering a secret message to us. Yeah. She goes, hey, Andy Dick is here. He wants to come on stage with you. Is that okay? And we were like, uh, 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 sure. And, and I, first of all, we're all drunk. Second of all, I get Andy Dick confused yes. with the guy who does the voice from The Emperor's New Groove. Mm-hmm. David Spade. David Spade. David Spade. <laughs> <laughs> who I, so Kenyon was probably like, yeah. I literally <laughs> was like, sure. Because <laughs> I great. don't really have a grasp on who you Andy didn't know. Dick is. Yeah. You didn't know. It's I not didn't your fault. Next thing we and, know. And, and I just want to clarify one more thing. Jen didn't ask if he could come on stage with us. She said, Andy Dick is outside. He doesn't have a ticket. Do you want to let him in? Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And yes. I was oh, like, even more pathetic. Like, sure. I was like, whatever. Sure. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. So the next thing we knew, Andy Dick rolls up. Onto the stage with a paper mm-hmm. boat full of gator bites, fried gator this, bites. Oh, this is yeah, where the gator right. bites bit came and, from, y'all. And, yep, and he didn't have a chair, so he like sat on Kenyon's lap or something. Like oh. that. He like shared a chair. I was so nice to him because again, he touched your leg. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> realize who he was. I didn't mm-hmm. know. <laughs> <laughs> So then I was like, pass the gator bites. So I just ate ate his gator bites while he just was interrupting us throughout the rest of the show. We ended up kicking him off the stage. Yeah, Amanda was he appropriately was so disruptive. mean to him. Huh? Amanda was appropriately mean to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, you I was so really mean, mean to him. To him. Did, it was so I good. Did, I did, and I don't regret it. I did body shame him because he said, I want to give you all six inches, which like he was already trying to shame himself. And then I said, don't you mean two inches three times? (laughs) (laughs) Now that is a good math joke. That son of a bitch is funny. (laughs) And then my mother, my mother and my aunt were there and he like, lingered after the show and kept going up to my mom and saying like I'm gonna take that girl home tonight and my mom goes what hotel are they staying in yeah Yeah, he tried to find out what hotel we were in yeah my mom goes I'm taking her home tonight that's my daughter (laughs) (laughs) it was very dramatic it was the very creepy, thing. and he did linger until we were like the last people in the venue. Breaking we were like, we down gotta... merch. Yeah, we were like, we got shit. We don't have a crew. We got to do this. Yeah. And a week it later, he got sucker punched and like ended up in the hospital. In the face and I on and the I saw street. and I saw the headline. And I was like, <laughs> oh, that's oops. Too bad. So <laughs> the next day, I like Googled him and was horrified. <laughs> we were sharing one hotel room, and we. <laughs> Lucy and I are like on the veranda and we just hear Kenny in the other room just going, oh my God. (laughs) That's Andy Dick? (laughs) And we're like, what's wrong? And she's like, I Googled Andy Dick. (laughs) He sat on your lap earlier tonight. She had no idea who it was. No. 
I recognize the name, but definitely. David Spade looks awful. (laughs) And turns out David Spade has had some shit too, so I shouldn't have been nice to him either. But everyone is trash, you guys. (laughs) Yeah, all trash. Anyway, I think is specific trash. Don't you mean two inches (laughs) three times? That's a fucking good joke. <laughs> so anyway, and later at CrimeCon, I, I saw some fans oh. that I recognized from the audience at the show the night before, oh and I God. was like, I didn't know. <laughs> it's okay. Anyway, we obviously okay. never released that show, because we're not giving yeah. Andy Dick a platform in any I way, al- shape, or form. I also seem to remember there were some people in the front row at that show, and as they soon as like, Andy Dick came Ugh. on stage, they were just like yeah their faces are seared into my brain and i remember seeing their faces and being like this was a mistake it was so fucking bizarre it's definitely the weirdest thing that has ever happened to us on tour yet (laughs) but yeah today let's top it Okay, oh, tell us so, more about what a piece of shit Andy so, Dick is. Yeah. So this is what I discovered when I Googled him. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Are you okay? <laughs> I'm Googling Andy Dick. <laughs> so, no. <laughs> I remember it so fucking big. And he wasn't even in Emperor's New Groove. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my fucking God. Oh, my God. Okay, so. <laughs> so funny. So, Andrew Roan Dick. Oh, no. I am, he has ruined me. <laughs> no. Andrew Roseanne Dick, aka oh. Andy Dick, was born in 1965 in Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston is amazing. I'm sad that it produced yeah. Andy Dick. Yeah, He Charleston's was adopted. Great. <laughs> At birth by his parents, Alan and Sue Dick. His dad is literally Alan Alan Dick. Dick. Oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) What? What are the the chances? (laughs) Also, if his middle initial were A, his name could be Drew uh, Dick. Or Alan, a dick. Oh, my God. (laughs) Drew a dick. (laughs) So Alan was in the Navy. Oh, my God, I'm sweating. (laughs) They're a Navy family. And so uh, Andy Dick spent his childhood regularly moving around. He spent portions of it in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New York, and Yugoslavia. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. An interesting one. So Dick okay. got his start in comedy by joining Chicago's comedy troupe Second City, which is actually like that is impressive. Legit. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And first appeared on television in the early '90s on the Ben Stiller Show, oh. which we are too young to have really seen. Nope. Nope. Yep. I didn't know that that existed. Mm-hmm. I didn't either. So. I don't know if he and Ben Stiller still have like a relationship, but they used to be pretty tight and did like a lot of work together. Uh, yeah, I feel like most sane people have distanced themselves yeah. from Andy Dick at this point. <laughs> I would assume. <laughs> I'd hope. So he was a series regular on a bunch of fucking sitcoms throughout the 90s, the best of which were The Nanny and mm-hmm. News Radio. 
mm-hmm. loved news radio. I know. It's I such know. a shame. And anybody who's like just a touch younger than us probably has never seen it. Missed it. It, it yeah. was so good. We were like just barely old enough to get it. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like Frasier. I feel like news but radio like, and Frasier were a very similar. Yeah. Yeah, but it was like blue collar Frasier. Like it yeah. was less hoity toity. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Ugh. News radio was good. I, was I feel like I should good. try a rewatch. And still somehow he's only the second worst <laughs> bit actor I, to I be born out of news radio. Because that is also what we have to fucking blame mm-hmm. for blow all Brogan. kinds of shit yeah oh god i forgot about that oh i my know god. yeah i know Ew. Yeah. yeah joe rogan was on that show as like a bit part like a recurring small mm-hmm. role and playing his now self basically but he was even more he was like lovable dumb yeah. like you know repairman he was like a joey weirdo. tribbiani kind yeah. of almost. yeah it wasn't and not a... A hateful racist. Right. I can't even talk about blow slogan right now. Yeah. yeah. He's too gross. So, okay, the height of Andy Dick's career came in the early 2000s with cameos in major movies like Dude, Where's My Car, Road Trip, <laughs> and Zoolander. Wow. All excellent cinematic masterpieces. Yeah. I mean, Where's his Oscar? <laughs> Road Trip and Zoolander are two of the best movies ever made, but yes. <laughs> What? I love them both. I love Ev- them too. Ever made? Yeah. This is the, that's the life you can hang your hat on? Do you that's know how many one? times I've seen Road Trip in Jessica's basement? <sighs> I have okay. the soundtrack. Yeah. I guess for, uh, what is it? Nostalgia alone, I will allow it. Yeah. It just tickles a part of my brain that doesn't often get tickled. <laughs> Back to the tickling. Okay. So, interesting fact. That was for Kenyon and her her sensitivity about the tickling mention. We're all sensitive about the tickling. You're you're not only harming Kenyon. (laughs) You're also harming me. Break the pickle. So, uh, interesting fact. Andy Dick was originally slated to play Mugatu in Zoolander. Oh, that would have been bad. That That would have been bad. Would have been bad, especially because that was like a big breakout role for Will Ferrell at the Mm -hmm. time Mm -hmm. because he had kind of just done SNL Mm -hmm. up to that point. And instead, Andy Dick was stuck with only a cameo as Olga the masseuse. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I don't even even remember that part, but... So in 2001, he developed and produced his own sketch comedy show called The Andy Dick Show for MTV, which ran for three seasons. I remember that show. Three seasons too long. Mm-hmm. MTV and VH1 really held on to Andy they, Dick for a long they did. time. It was he like, did so many talking heads for like Best Week Ever and I Love the 90s yeah. and all these great shows with all these awesome comedians and then this fucking blister would pop up I don't know what that was about it was like did they have some contract where they'd already paid him I don't know but he he clearly had good agents I think he worked for real cheap because he was burning bridges all over the place yeah Mm -hmm. well we Mm -hmm. will get to it the byline for the show for the Andy Dick show on IMDB right now and I don't know who wrote this (laughs) or like who let it pass but it, it is quote 
The Andy Dick Show, as broadcast on MTV, is a mediocre sketch comedy show. <laughs> <laughs> Get ba- right to it. <laughs> that basically spoofs MTV programs and pushes the limits of TV censoring. <laughs> Love. So by the early 2000s, Dick had already had a bit of a roller coaster personal life as well, uh, having been married twice with three children. And for the past several years at that point, he was often in the news for drug and alcohol-related incidents. Mm-hmm. And this this is sad. It's also like, it feels like everything he touches... Turns tur- to shit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's like the poor man's Tom Green. Mm. But also yeah. Tom Green's the poor man's Tom Green. Yeah. In 1999, he was questioned by police following the death by suicide of fellow sitcom actor David Strickland. Hmm. He was on Suddenly Susan. Do you remember oh that my show? God, I haven't thought about Suddenly Susan in so long. I this know. episode yeah. is tearing up my heart. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it is stirring some shit. There's mm-hmm. a photo of David Strickland on the drive. He's, he was a handsome guy, but obviously very troubled. I didn't realize that David Strickland died by suicide. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Damn. So he and Andy Dick, who had just recently become friends, mm-hmm. had flown to Vegas together and they spent, they did like a three day, uh, like a bender, bender and partied in a lot of strip clubs and hired sex workers and whatever, and probably did a lot of drugs. On the final night of this trip, Strickland spent time in his motel room with a sex worker mm-hmm. and then the sex worker left and he had... He had about six beers, which is not enough to kill you. Right. And uh, he died by suicide by hanging himself with a bedsheet in his motel room. Oh, my oh Lord. Oh, my God. Jesus. Oh. Oh, God. And he was 29. Oh. That is. He also had a history of drug abuse and bipolar disorder. And Andy Dick was the one to identify his body. Mm-hmm. Well, that will fuck you up. Probably discover his butt. Andy Dick had already been fucked up before this. Yeah. 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 And we will get to it. But that was in 1999. So the timeline's a little out of order. But this was not the first time that Dick had been in close proximity to the death of a fellow comedian. Amanda's mm-hmm. going to get to this story more. But if you don't include these. Oh, I do. Factoids. Okay. So we will we will get to it in Amanda's case. But it mm-hmm. circles back to news radio. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a couple of months after Strickland's death in Vegas, Dick was arrested because he crashed his car into a utility pole in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and then was found to be in possession of cocaine, marijuana, drug paraphernalia, and for DUI. Mm-hmm. He struck a deal to have the felony drug charges against him dismissed in exchange for completing an 18-month rehab program. And this is a pattern. Like, he he keeps getting caught doing bad shit mm-hmm. that would put somebody else away for, like, a while. And mm-hmm. he gets off with, like, a slap on the wrist. Yeah. And I wonder what that could be about. Hmm. What could be the cause Sounds of that? Sounds about white and rich. <laughs> so after this incident, Andy Dick mostly stayed out of the news for several years, probably the best period of his career. Yeah. 
But he developed a reputation both in Hollywood and in the touring stand-up comedy scene for inappropriate comments and behavior directed towards both men and women. Yeah. Which, again, I didn't know. I know. (laughs) I know. We have been dicked. We have. We've been dicked hard. Yeah. Yeah. Three times. And not well. Mm. (laughs) So in 2004, he was back in the tabloid news after being arrested for indecent exposure at a McDonald's. Good Lord. Okay. Yeah. I think he has, I mean, he clearly has some sort of sexual... Addiction, addiction or something disorder. Yeah. So, are you going to talk about him on Celebrity Wife Swap? I just mentioned that he goes on it. Does something happen on it? I didn't see it. Oh well, no. But like his arrangement with his like estranged mother of at least one of his children. Basically, he on this episode he sleeps in a in a camper in the driveway. Of his ex-wife's house. And he like hangs out with his adult children. But he also has a girlfriend who was one of the therapists in the celebrity rehab with Dr. Drew. Remember that VH1 show? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. I don't know. He's all into the VH1 like D-list celebrity. Well, they're giving him a paycheck. They keep hiring him for this shit. Well, he's dating one of them is my point. He's like, Mm. it's not anymore for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, we will get to it. Anyway, but yeah, that, that doesn't surprise me. And that episode he, is just really cringy. <laughs> it's real yeah. cringy. Well, there's more. Oh, great. <laughs> Hold on to your butts. Hold on to your dicks. Ew. So not long after his French fry incident. <laughs> at a stand up gig it's in El- Nugget. It's <laughs> McNugget. <laughs> oh, yum. At a stand-up gig in Alberta, Canada, he pulled down his pants on stage and exposed his genitals to the audience. Ish. Y'all gotta not do that. And he was not that arrested. That is assault. Yeah, of of like a group. Yeah. He was he not was arrested. not? Oh, my Lord. But he was quickly ushered off stage. I just can't. Now we're gonna get into the groping and definitely not, there's no time to cover all of the groping. Oh, good. Just the top gropings. Mm. So in 2005, Dick (sighs) repeatedly groped Pamela Anderson during the filming of a Comedy Central roast. And he also attempted to grope Courtney Love, but she slapped him across the face. Good. Courtney Love does not fuck around. No, No, God love her. She's got Uh her own issues, but props. Mm hmm. In 2006, during a set at the Improv in Los Angeles, the audience turned on him after he used the N-word on stage. Oh, cool, I'm dude. I'm surprised that, you know, if he had just said it like 46 more times, they would have given him $200 million. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> how... Well, why, why stop there? Yeah, it's like, wow. <laughs> By this oh point, uh, Dick's behavior had long crossed the line from comically outrageous to criminal, and he had lost many friends in the industry. The days of regular sitcom appearances and roles in major studio movies were long gone, but he yeah, still continued to periodically book work, like we've been saying, as like a talking head on like, mm-hmm. remember when I was relevant? Yeah. yeah. That, my favorite show, Remember When I Was Relevant. Yeah. <laughs> in February of 2007, he appeared on Jimmy Kimmel Live, but had to be forcibly removed from the stage by security 
because he wouldn't stop groping fellow guest Ivanka Trump. Ew. Which, like, oh, obviously I'm God. not a fan of any of the Trumps, but, like, that doesn't still, mean you don't yeah. grope. You no, just she's don't just still don't a grope. person and, like, it, it should not be assaulted. She was, like, rubbing her leg and she, like, told him to stop and Jimmy Kimmel told him to stop and they were, like, pushing his hand away and he just kept going. And then He has, like, a compulsion. Yeah. This is, like, beyond... I'm not forgiving it. It's just really fucking weird behavior. Yeah. Yeah. This is not fucking normal. Something is really wrong. Uh Yeah. Yeah. So Kimmel later said of Andy Dick, quote, he always makes me a little uncomfortable. You have no idea what he's going to do next. I wish Kimmel would have just said, I didn't want to book him. Why did they fucking book him? He's right. gross. I don't want him on my show. Yeah. That's that's just my, that's celeb translator. By yeah. Canyon. <laughs> so throughout the next, Your next sev- spinoff, my, my next spinoff celeb translator. What the fuck? Okay. <laughs> Throughout the next several years, there continued to be numerous stories of Dick groping people and exposing himself in public that I was just blissfully aware, uh, unaware of. Blissfully Se- aware. <laughs> <laughs> several of which led to his arrest. And yet, Finally. still, he continued to find work, mostly by appearing on reality shows like Dancing with the Stars. What? And Celebrity Wife Swap. There we go. These shows give platforms... That should not be given. Rudy Giuliani, wasn't he just on uh, the really creepy one with like the alien furries? Oh, oh, right, right, right. Mass uh, singer. The mass singer. And yep. they got fucking panned for doing that. I don't know where the fuck they are thinking these are good ideas. I yep. just, it's, ins- it's, it's, it, I, I, yeah, I'm not usually speechless, but holy shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in 2014, he was arrested for grand larceny after encountering just a random dude in LA who like, recognized him probably like mm-hmm. called out to him i don't know and so then and dick was on a bicycle and he like stopped and started talking to the man and the man had a thousand dollar chain necklace on and andy dick was like hey i like your necklace can i see it and the guy was like yeah you're andy dick like you're famous i know you like check here you know like handed the necklace for andy dick to look at it and dick just bicycled away with it what the Fuck! <laughs> what? <laughs> like the fucking like what is it? Aunt May or whatever, the Wicked Witch of the East or whatever. And it like, fucking if it was oh, somebody else, if it was somebody else doing that, it would be like funny. But like he was doing it because he needed the money for drugs. Oh, it's so fucking sad. God. Ugh. So somehow in 2017, which is really not very long ago, he was nope. cast in a small role in an independent film called Raising Buchanan, but was soon fired for, quote, groping people's genitals, unwanted kissing slash licking, oh. and sexual propositions to at least four members of the production. Oh, Jesus. my fucking God. Like you said, it's a compulsion. Yeah, yeah, this is, he's a serial molester. Assault, uh, molester, yeah. yeah. Ugh, I Dick. cannot believe we were within his vicinity. Groping distance. Yeah. He I'm actually kind of Kenyan. amazed we didn't get, I'm amazed it wasn't worse, to be honest. He touched my leg. I, if I had known, I, if I had known, oh my God. Anyway, so Dick denied these allegations stating, quote, I might have kissed somebody on the cheek to say goodbye and then licked them. 
That's my thing. <laughs> I, I licked Carrie Fisher at a roast. It's <gasps> me being funny. How dare you lick Carrie Fisher? Yeah. I already hated him, but it has gone too far. I assault people. It's my thing. Here's yeah, another person I assaulted. It's no big deal. He also joked, quote, my middle name is misconduct. No, it's Roanne. (laughs) It's Roseanne. They know what they signed up for, end quote. Oh, my God. We didn't know what we signed up for. No. You are not relevant enough for people to, like. I'm not following you in the news. No, it's the same thing with, like, Blow Blogan. Like, he had, this man did not exist in my purview in any way, shape, or form. I never thought about him. I did not think about him at all. Yeah. Ugh. So I, mean, I knew spoke- he was kind of an asshole, but that's right. About but it. I didn't like. I did not think. Uh, yeah, I didn't yeah. pay it any mind until, you know. And that's part of that is like fucking privilege. I'm not targeted by this person, mm-hmm. and I can just not. I don't. That news is not fucking targeted to me. So I I never would have known yeah. if brave individuals had not called that out. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not very up on any celebrity news, to Mm -mm. be honest. Very Mm -mm. small pieces reach through. And And Joe Rogan is not a celebrity to me. No. That's not even celebrity news. That's just douchebag Trump, like, bootlicker news. Are you on Euphoria? No? Okay, I do not care. Yeah, I do not care about you. <laughs> okay, so later Andy Dick spoke more seriously about getting kicked off this film and seemed to blame the hashtag MeToo movement for people being offended by his behavior. Quote, this is this is amazing, this quote. Oh, quote, God. I don't grope people anymore. I don't expose <laughs> myself anymore. I do understand that the temperature in the world right now is delicate. <laughs> They used to like it, but they don't like it anymore. That's yeah. what he's saying. Yeah, you just can't have fun people conversations with joke. people anymore. Yeah, no one can take a joke. Can't take a grope. They must have short alleles. No, <laughs> it's not my fault. She can't take a grope. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Christ! Oh my god. <laughs> But actually. Oh, my. (laughs) I love that. So. Holy shit. That's the fourth funniest joke that's been on this episode so far. Okay. Okay. (laughs) But but his claim of changed behavior turned out to be far from true. False, (laughs) in fact. In 2018, he was arrested and pleaded not guilty to misdemeanor assault charges for groping a woman's buttocks. And in 2019, he was charged with groping a Lyft driver. He was sentenced to 14 days in jail, but released after only one day because of overcrowding. Mm, So once again, another slap on the wrist. Mm -hmm. Serial offender. So far, he's gotten one day in jail. Yep. Dick's second wife, Lena Sved, took out a domestic violence restraining order against him about the same time, which required him to move out of their home. Maybe this is the one that he was living. Oh, yeah. It might have been in exactly. the trailer in the driveway. <laughs> oh, my God. And remain at least 100 yards away from her and their adult children. They were adult children. Loser. So it might have been exactly 100 yards away. Yeah. Wow. 
After this, periodic stories circulated about Dick being homeless, including a story about him being kicked out of a hostel that he'd been staying in after he brought 11 people back with him to party, which is like clearly not allowed. I'm sorry. I think it's like even sicker that he was if if this is the timeline that we think is synced up, that he was featured on Wife Swap. While he's living in a trailer because of a domestic fucking violence restraining order that requires him to be 100 yards from his spouse. I'm pretty sure that the wife swap episode was before the domestic violence charges. I'm I mean, I up. fucking hope I'm so, but like, right wow, now. that is wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow, and there, wow, there are wow. going to be a lot more domestic violence charges. So, yes. Great. Cool. Great. 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 Cool. Got it. Cool. Great. Uh Yep. uh uh So I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. In June of 2021, Dick was arrested in Los Angeles for assault with a deadly weapon for beating a man that he was dating. So he Andy Dick is bisexual. He came out Mm. in the press in 2006, which I also Mm. didn't know. The man that he was that he assaulted with a deadly weapon is named Lucas. And the weapon was a metal chair. Oh, my God. Lucas is also the name of one of Andy Dick's adult sons, but this is a different person. Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. I have some information about the wife swap episode if we want to clear this up now. Okay. I do want it cleared up. Okay. So this says actor and comedian Andy Dick lives in Calabasas, California. When when was this dated? This is 2013. Yeah. So it was before. He lives with his former love interest, Lena. Their 15-year-old daughter, so I guess they weren't adult children, 15-year-old daughter Meg and Lena's two daughters from a previous relationship. With Andy and Lena no longer romantically involved, Andy lives in an Airstream trailer in the driveway of their home where he spends time with his girlfriend, actress Jennifer Jimenez. That's the um, celebrity rehab one. Okay. Okay. Lena is responsible for all the household needs, including the cooking and cleaning, allowing Andy a stress-free home life in which he sleeps late, lounges by the pool, and enjoys raw meals, which Lena prepares for him. Lena also serves as Andy's personal chauffeur, driving him around town to various meetings, gigs, and appointments because Andy doesn't like to drive, even though he has a driver's license. Yeah, right. First of all, it's probably suspended. You might Mm -hmm. have it, but it's probably suspended. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, it's thank you for clearing that really up. Sad. It's still trash that he had this platform, it's but I total feel like trash. slightly better that yeah. these were not the circumstances. Right, 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 right. Yeah, surrounding it. So at this, then Elisa Jordana, who's an internet personality, mm-hmm. became engaged to Andy Dick, and she said of the incident of him beating up this boyfriend mm-hmm. in 2021, quote. There are warning signs with people. It doesn't happen out of the blue. When I heard he was in jail, I wasn't that surprised. Stand by your man. And then she also said of the injuries that Andy Dick inflicted on the man, quote, he could have killed him. I saw pictures. I saw video. It's not good. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then. Yeah, I hope she got out of that fucking relationship. They did. And soon after this incident, she ended their relationship. She also went on to say that she was happy that he was in prison because he was safer there. Quote, we don't have to worry that he's going to die today. Oh, Oh my God. God. That's fucking sad. So Dick was released three days after being arrested and had $50,000 bail. Mm -hmm. 
In November of 2021, he was arrested again, this time on domestic violence charges for hitting a different boyfriend in the head with a liquor bottle during an argument at his Los Angeles home. He was again released just a few hours after being arrested, also on $50,000 bail. We just don't fucking take this shit seriously. No. Especially if there is notoriety and privilege Mm -hmm. involved. Mm Mm-hmm. After this story broke, it was soon revealed that this was actually the second time in as many months that Dick had been arrested for domestic violence. Police had also been called to his house in October after he had hit a male partner in the face with a frying pan. And it's unclear if this is the same partner that he was arrested for a month later. God. He is fucking relentless. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, he's sick. He's really sick. It me it, that, again, I'm not excusing it it's his responsibility to get fucking treated for this his violent outburst but he is ill mm-hmm. yeah yes he has a lot of various issues and mm-hmm. as a society we are not holding him accountable enough to right address those issues we're not keeping the fucking public safe no i mean think about how many how many people have been victims that i've just listed that i've just yeah. come forward on this and that's episode. just the tip of the fucking iceberg yeah. and like that guy who was like, oh, yeah, you can see my necklace. You're Andy Dick. Like people la- and uh, and us. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Andy Dick. Sure. Like, whatever. Ooh. Yeah. Weren't you that guy on VH1? Yeah. Yeah. Gross. So Dick is currently awaiting trial for these charges. As of February 15th, 2022, his Twitter page links directly to a GoFundMe called Andy Needs a Home. Wow. I mean, it wouldn't be surprising to me at all. He's he's now been in and out of jail so many times. He's not earning a paycheck. He's spending money on bail and drugs. drugs. God knows what. Yeah. It's like I'm not surprised if it's to hear that he's asking the public for support. Yes. The page was apparently started by a friend at Andy's request and reads, quote, comedian, actor, musician, television and cameo star. And his cameo is still active, but don't give him money. Please, dear God, don't give him money. Andy Dick needs your help. He was evicted from his loft on February 16th, 2022. He has no place to go and needs your help. Well, he could go to rehab. Yeah. And he also, his latest on his Twitter is that he lost his phone. And can anybody help him get a new phone? No. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah. So Cyrus I, to- Myers. I told you it would be sad. Oh, it's only going to get worse, mama. Yeah. And like Amanda said, like, it's not his fault that he has addiction and substance issues. Mm -hmm. It's his responsibility. It's his responsibility. But also all the time, the violence that he has perpetrated and the the other kind of compulsions that he has, Mm -hmm. like he needs help. And I feel like because of his like all of his like humor shticks and whatnot and like what the average person might know about him he kind of flies under the radar like people are just yeah you know it's like oh that's just what he does and i think he thinks that about himself too oh i I lick people whatever yeah he's postured himself in that way he said they knew what they were signing up for my middle name is what fucking groper or whatever the fuck he said he's he's willing to accept any attention and Mm -hmm. the only attention he can easily get is negative attention and yeah yeah oh it's fucking sad and gross don't give him any money don't give Mm -hmm. him any money hopefully he has some loved ones left who are able to steer him into getting help and also hopefully our justice system 
you know, jail is not a rehabilitative place, but at the no. same time, like, what purpose does it serve to have somebody be put in for 24 hours? Like, who clearly mm-hmm. needs serious ongoing help. Well, and that's the thing, like, it's not like he does not have all of the privileges and connections in the world, even if he is quite poor right now, to access therapeutic intervention for all of his compulsions and his addiction. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's actually a great way to kind of like strike a deal with the court Mm -hmm. to not go to jail, but it doesn't seem like he's had, I mean, if he has had court-ordered rehabilitation or any kind of therapy, it's fucking news to me and it's not working. And also, I mean, at this point, he's a repeat domestic abuser. Yeah. So at this point, it's like, yeah, you have these like comorbidities of of addiction and and other sexual issues, but like you're you've still committed like brutal violence mm-hmm. against multiple people, and so like mm-hmm. maybe jail is exactly where you belong. Right. Yeah. I'm. Yeah. It's a. That's. Ugh. You know. He's the worst. Yeah. Yep. So anyway, if you were at that live show in New Orleans, we didn't know. Yeah, we're sorry. He literally and... thought he was David Spade. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which might not make it any better, but still. A little eh. bit better, probably, but still not great, I think. I don't know. who. Don't ever trust uh, anyone. <laughs> ever. <laughs> yeah, everyone's garbage. Everyone's safest, garbage. If It doesn't matter bet. if they're a celebrity, unless you know for a fact that they are a good person, just treat them. Assume. Yeah, assume they're a monster. Assume the worst, yeah. <laughs> Including about us. Just assume the Just worst. Just assume the worst. Well, I'm telling you right now, we're awful people. It's going to keep you safer. It's going to keep you safer. It's We don't want to break your heart. Just keep, keep yeah, the expectations low. At, an, at arm's length. Yeah. yeah. Don't put anybody on a pedestal. No. Ever. No. Anyway. Right. Great. Well, there will be more Andy Dick to come. Yeah. Great. I can't but handle first, any more dick. Well, you're going to get it. Should we first take a little uh, mental health slash ad break? Yeah, definitely. Great. When it comes to personal hygiene, who has the time to read that long list of hard to pronounce ingredients on the back of the bottle? Who wants to? No. No. If you're like me and you care about what goes on your body but you don't really have the time to read all that stuff and like Google Mm. each long name, Mm -hmm. then maybe you shouldn't be using products with stuff you don't know. Mm -hmm. Instead, try native personal care products. Every native product is thoughtfully formulated to keep you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. If you still haven't tried native deodorant, here is what you need to know. It's aluminum-free. It offers 24-hour odor protection. It's vegan and cruelty-free. It's made with naturally derived ingredients, and you can choose from over 10 cents. So don't sweat making that switch from antiperspirant to deodorant. Listen, you've heard me say it before. I am a sweaty Betty. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm a leaker, all right? Oh, I am. I was worried. I was worried about making that switch. But, you know, I was definitely reassured by the over 15,000 five-star reviews that Native has. And Native will keep you feeling fresh all day long. It's true. I literally use this deodorant every day. And sometimes, like, I'm also a night sweater because it doesn't have antiperspirant and a bunch of, like, scary ingredients in it. I don't feel bad putting a little swipe on before bed. So I just feel... 
a little more comfortable sleeping. It also and just smells amazing. It, it really smells does. smells great. We've had to travel together uh-huh. yeah. and be in very close quarters. And yeah. all of Sharon us are beds. using Native mm-hmm. and there have been no... No hygiene fights. or scent complaints. Right. No no <laughs> hygiene-related arguments. That's big. Mm-hmm. And this year, Native has something sweet in store for their customers with their new collaboration with Tiny Cupcake Bakery baked by Melissa. It's so cute. Oh. This limited edition collection is made up of fragrances like tie-dye vanilla cupcake that are inspired by a signature cupcake for an indulgence in the shower and beyond. Like, seriously, you will step out of the shower feeling like you're stepping out of a bakery. It's unbelievable. The Native and Baked by Melissa collection is made up of four scents and is available in deodorant, body wash, and shampoo and conditioner. I have the body wash. It is, like, thick and luxurious. It is moisturizing. Yeah. It, like, um, it foams up really nicely. Mm-hmm. I'm, I just love it. It's so, A little so goes nice. a long way. Yeah. And it, yeah, like you said, it foams up really nicely, and it's super moisturizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so smell and feel fresh all day long with Native. Get 20% off your first order by going to nativedo.com slash winecrime20 or use promo code winecrime20 at checkout. That's nativedo.com slash winecrime20 or use promo code winecrime20 at checkout for 20% off your first order and treat you bod. Treat it. So I'm a planner. I'm big into Mm. planning. I got a paper planner. I got a calendar. I have the things on my phone. I'm a a big fan of planning ahead. If it's scheduling trips months in advance, check. Plotting out my next career move, well, maybe. Figuring out what I'm going to do for dinner while I'm still eating breakfast, like meal planning, all of that. Mm -hmm. But I never really thought much about planning for kids. And guess what? That's not very wise because kids are an enormous impact on one's life and you should plan for that. Yeah, Mm. it'll sneak up on you. Oh, yeah. And that is why Modern Fertility was created. It's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. So you just mail it in with a prepaid label and then you get your personalized results within 10 days and you get insight into your hormone levels, your ovarian reserve, aka like how many eggs you have compared to Mm. other folks your age, and other important fertility factors that it is just good to know about if you're going to be planning such a huge aspect of your life around it. Yeah, yeah. So these results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. So if you see something in your results that maybe you don't quite understand or you just want to like double check that your understanding of it is correct, you can talk with that nurse, get all of those answers and just have that awareness that you need about your own body. Mm-hmm. And traditional testing with your doctor can cost over a thousand dollars, not to mention like the hassle of making the appointment and driving there and Mm -hmm. the whole thing. But with Modern Fertility, you get the same info at $159. Love that. A Mm -hmm. fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, you can get $20 off your test. Amazing. Mm -hmm. 
Also, if you have an HSA or FSA, you can put those dollars towards modern fertility. So it's super easy. I've done it. I'm really, really glad that I did modern fertility and I did it kind of early on in our fertility journey because I learned about a lot of things and it did affect my planning and decisions on next steps for wanting kids. So if you want kids today or just maybe one day in the future, clinically sound info about your body can help you make the decision that's right for you. Heck yeah. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash gals. One more time, that's modernfertility.com slash gals and treat your knowledge. Treat it. it. Want to make it easy to refresh your wardrobe with seasonal pieces that still feel like you? Yes, please. That. (laughs) That is where Stitch Fix comes in. Y'all, I am obsessed with Stitch Fix. You You're know an it. evangelist I'm, for Stitch Fix. I am. I will go door to door yep. proselytizing she about Stitch Fix. She is shouting it from the podcast rooftop. Rooftops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so whether you need date night dresses or cozy loungewear, Stitch Fix can help refresh your look. You can schedule a fix and a stylist will send you five pieces that fit your style, your size, and price range with no subscription required. You keep what you like and return the rest that give you like a pre-labeled bag, like you, like mailing bag that you just put the stuff you don't want back in. You hand it to your mail carrier. It's that easy. And their stuff fits you. Like I can't get over the miracle that is Stitch Fix for my search for pants, especially jeans. Yeah, anything I- that buttons. Yes. I feel like the stylists like really genuinely pay attention to mm-hmm. like your body shape and what sizes in specific brands you yes. like instead your of just being like you prefer here's yeah. this random number. It it should fit. No. And yeah. just like specific style requests. Like I asked mm-hmm. my stylist or I was like, I, I don't go into the office. I don't need any blouses. Business cash. <laughs> I yeah. wear yeah. I wear black leggings every day. And sh- mm-hmm. they were like, I got you, girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> they are brilliant. And if you don't like to shop, but like don't want to endlessly browse online, check out Stitch Fix Freestyle. It's an online shop built just for you. It's like having your very own clothing store. So to get started, take a style quiz so Stitch Fix can learn your preferences. We love a good quiz. <laughs> and they learn things like your favorite colors, your preferred fits, like, Cuts, you know, I like high-rise jeans. I like skinny jeans. I I like a low-cut top. Yeah, I like a low-cut top. I like (laughs) a crap. Like, I I have a lot of things that I like. And they they find out your preferred fits. They find out your price ranges. And then they just take it from there. It's the easy way to get items that are just right for you from brands that you know and trust, like Madewell and Sanctuary, like these high-quality, beautiful pieces. It's time to get looks that are so you. Absolutely. So get started today by filling out your free style quiz at stitchfix.com slash gals, G-A-L-S, and take advantage of free shipping and returns. That's stitchfix.com slash gals to try Stitch Fix. One more time, stitchfix.com slash gals and treat your style. Treat it. Treat it. All right. So are you ready for my case? No. Maybe. 
You're not. It's, it's, ugh. This is one of the most famous and deeply tragic stories in pop culture slash entertainment history. And as a Simpsons and Saturday Night Live fan, I had to cover the murder of comedian Phil Hartman. Oh, God. It's so I know. sad. I know. It's the worst. So Phil and I were born six days and 39 years apart. <laughs> Jesus, you always bring it back to your birthday. Have to, or it's Helen's my favorite birthday. day. Yes, the only birthdays that matter. <laughs> His birthday was September 24th, 1948. He was born in Brantford, Ontario, Canada, but moved to the United States with, with his family when he was 10. Though he made his career in acting, voiceover, and comedy, he actually pursued a different art form while at California State University, earning his degree in graphic design. Oh, cool. Yeah. Multi-talented. Multi-talented. And fun fact, Phil Hartman was part of the genius behind Paul Rubin's Pee Wee Herman character. I hate that. I I don't love Pee Wee Herman's. We'll get to it. The character not the actor. You know what? I will let me finish this because I got words on that. Okay. So he helped him develop <laughs> the character. I shout. I'm 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 not anti Peewee. He helped him develop the character while the two were part of the improv comedy group The Groundlings in the 70s. It was like the second city before Second City. Okay. Phil got involved with this group that really sparked like his entire career, his onstage career, by simply attending an improv show. And being a lucky audience member invited on stage for a sketch. It could have been you with John C. Riley. I know. I will. Riley. Riley. Quote, I never saw an audience member come up with that kind of excitement and energy. It was like a hurricane hit that stage. And I mean, in a good way, said Tracy Newman, comedian and founding member of the Groundlings. So a star was born that night and Phil Hartman actually co-wrote one of the greatest films of all time, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yes. And you uh, gave me shit for calling Zoolander one of the best films of all time. Well, because this is highbrow comedy. I loved both of them for the record. So great. And was a longtime collaborator on Pee-wee's Playhouse as Captain Carl. And yes, Paul Rubens could have also been a case in this episode. But I'm not covering that because, frankly, I think getting arrested for jacking off in an adults-only porn theater in Florida is basically entrapment. That (laughs) is entrapment. That is what it is there for. Well, wasn't he jerking off outside the theater? No, he was in the theater and he was arrested for indecent exposure. You know some fucking Karen probably arrested him or reported him. That's like what they're there for. Yeah. Yeah. That's bullshit. But the character of Phoebe Herman is still super, super, super duper creepy. (laughs) Oh my god! My Uh, sister and I fucking loved Pee-wee. I I don't think I was allowed to watch it. I think it creeped my mom out as well. And so that sounds right. I can see that. Yeah, that that tracks. So good. My mom watched it with me. Yeah, which also tracks. (laughs) So Phil Hartman's career skyrocketed after he joined Saturday Night Live in 1986, winning an Emmy for his work on the show in 1989. He also starred alongside our least favorite podcaster of all time on news radio in 1995 after leaving SNL after eight amazing seasons a year prior. So he left in nine, SNL in 94 and joined the cast of news radio. Is in there 95. like a news radio documentary there that just like be. follows the lives? It's cursed. It's clearly cursed. Yeah. But a handful of folks got out of it alive, like Mara Tierney or whatever. She had a great career on SNL and has done... A bunch of really good stuff. She was on The Office as Robert California's wife. Mm. 
Very funny. Very funny. Very talented actress. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, John Lovitz. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Phenomenal. There's a lot of ta- talent coming out of that show and a lot of garbage. And of course, his iconic voice acting as multiple Simpsons characters, including my favorite, Troy McClure. <laughs> you may remember him from such medical films as Alice Doesn't Live Anymore and Mommy, What's Wrong With That Man's Face? <laughs> Alice Doesn't Live, live Anymore. anymore. <laughs> Troy McClure was the chosen spokesman for everything in the Simpsons universe and recalled his previous roles that no one had ever seen. But I think his best role on that show was in the Planet of the Apes, the musical episode. Yes, yes. (laughs) I know every word. And I urge everyone to watch it. It's so good. And like, I know I have my period, but like writing these notes had me tearing up because this guy was so fucking talented. Yeah. And I was like looking up quotes and looking at pictures and he was just taken so tragically and the world truly did lose a comedic genius. Like He he was was very brilliant. Really really nail the like dry BBC commentator mm-hmm. but like in on the joke and absurdist mm-hmm. at yeah. the same time hilarious. Huge I range. forgot about Troy McClure. That was yeah. one of the best characters. So good. So this was also and remains to be a horrific reminder that men experience intimate partner violence as well and it needs to be taken serious uh, seriously across all intersections of gender, sexuality, and race, which yep. apparently is a running theme today. Yeah, there were multiple male victims of domestic mm-hmm. violence, intimate partner violence in my case. So Yep. Yep. So Phil fun. had been... Yeah, so fun. <laughs> this is a comedy podcast. <laughs> Let's have a fun, lighthearted episode. How about comedian crimes? All right, hold my beer. Like during during our Patreon happy hour and somebody was like, what rabbit holes have you gone down? (laughs) And we were like, Ukraine, World War III, like blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I meant knitting. Knitting. Question. married and divorced <laughs> twice before he met his wife, uh, his third wife, Bryn Omdahl. His previous marriages were brief, but didn't end in fire and brimstone, like amicably. It really seemed that he was a sweet dude who fell in love swiftly and easily and unfortunately fell out of love at a similar speed, which, like, I feel that. Um, also, I'm pretty sure uh, his wife, Bryn, is from or was from Minnesota. Funny that you should say that. Next sentence. Oh. Bryn was a cookie cutter Midwestern gal born and raised in northern Minnesota. Sorry. <laughs> I always got you. Funny, you should say that. Uh, I'm Troy McClure, and I'm going to say the thing you just said. You may remember uh, me from such sentences such as sentences the one as you said 10 you seconds ago. <laughs> It's our Minnesotan tick. We have to point it out is. people from Minnesota, even the, if... The snowstorm of 94 and anyone famous from Minnesota, <laughs> no matter how terrible. Yep. And if you're wearing something from Target and someone oh, yeah. compliments it. And if you or it was on, on sale. sale. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Eight bucks. I'll send yeah. you a coupon. What's your email? <laughs> 
I'm going to Target tomorrow. I'll get you one. What's your size? <laughs> I have done that before. I know. I know. To a total stranger. Thousand percent. Oh, no. Thousand percent. Oh, no. Anyway. <laughs> Bryn made her way to L.A. in her 20s with the dream of becoming a model and actress. You don't say. She was undeniably beautiful and quickly got work with a modeling agency, modeling for Catalina Swimwear and going on auditions. Her story could not be more cliche as she got swept up in the Hollywood hustle and fell in love with cocaine. Her brother Greg urged her to go to rehab as her addiction took over her life, but she was deep in the Hollywood lifestyle made even more glamorous when she was set up on a blind date with Phil Hartman in 1986, just as his career was taking off and the two felt like rising stars on a similar trajectory. Mm -hmm. Quote, and with his previous wives, Lisa and Gretchen, it becomes very intense, as with his previous wives, Lisa and Gretchen, it becomes very intense, very fast. Close friend Mike Thomas said about Hartman's relationship with Bryn Omdahl. But as the months, the quote continues, but as the months go on, the cracks begin to show and Phil does what he did with his last two relationships. He begins to withdraw emotionally. They begin this pattern of fighting and making up and fighting and making up that would mark their relationship from there on out. Long alleles. Mm hmm. And in 1987, the tumultuous duo were married. Oh, good. So even though this was already. A little rough. Well, getting married but, will solve your relationship yeah. problems. Well, and and if it that, doesn't. Have kids. <laughs> Within a year, Bryn and kids. Phil welcomed their first oh. child, a little boy named Sean. In his excitement and still friends with his first wife, Lisa, he called her to share the news. Lisa was thrilled for him and sent a card welcoming their child and offering support, like babysitting anytime, just being a total sweetheart. Nice ex. Nice person. Yeah. yeah. Bryn was furious and penned a letter back to Lisa that sent shivers down her spine. Lisa said, quote, she got back a letter that was hair curling, fury, rage, and a death threat from Bryn. Oh the gist of it was, don't ever fucking get near me or my family or I will hurt you. I never want to hear from you. Never, ever, ever come near us or you will be really sorry, end quote. So a, a no to the babysitting? Yeah, so that's uh, so you, that's a so no. you don't okay. need me Saturday. Okay, got it. All right, thank you. Thanks for the card. Yeah. So a few years later, in 1992, they had their second child, a daughter named Bergen. Despite Bryn's haunting jealousy and possessiveness, she appeared to step into motherhood with grace and skill. Everyone around her saw how much she and Phil loved their children, and it looked like she had really risen to the role of motherhood. Her brother, Greg Omdahl, spoke of the Hartman's love for their children, saying, quote, when I watched the old home videos of Bryn and Phil and their kids, it really brought home what loving parents they were and what a great mother she was. Joel Diamond, another friend of the couple, said that, quote, Bryn was the greatest mom. She was wonderful. So they seem to have everything. It's like a beautiful and growing family and Phil's thriving career ensuring their future. And uh, how's her addiction going through these two pregnancies and, and little kids? She's definitely going through bouts of sobriety. Yeah. And it's like in and, and relapses. Out. Yeah. Yep. Correct. But as the opportunities for Phil grew, so did his time away from home, much to Bryn's dismay. So Bryn, whose dreams of being an actress and model did not really come to fruition, was also jealous of her husband's launch to fame and stardom. When he wasn't at work, he was enjoying time on his boat, taking a private plane to Catalina Island, and it wasn't unnoticed that he seemed to be creating some distance from his wife. 
And that was like noted earlier by a friend that was like, he would do this. He would withdraw and like they'd get into arguments and then it would just be over with his other two wives. Right. But like Bryn took it to a, a, a level that Phil was not taking it to. Quote, maybe she felt Phil was spending too much time with his boat or airplane and not enough time with the kids, her brother Greg I said. I mean, that would piss me off, too. Yeah, Absolutely no it would. Absolutely it would. But again, divorce is always about Exactly, yeah. Also, take me to Catalina, ass. Yeah. yeah. I want to go to the Catalina wine mixer. Yeah, oh, I mean, no. I do, too, unless you're, like, an abusive monster and you're being shitty to your husband well, yeah. your spouse, no i'm not so. saying no 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 but yeah we yeah, know I we know what happens next a thousand we're percent. commenting from the perspective of not knowing what happens right. next right no like that i any of us would be pissed about this quote i would kind of reassure her that that's normal and that he still loved her end quote but the distance only escalated the violence and fighting. One night before a rehearsal of SNL, a makeup artist working on set overheard them fighting in his dressing room and recalls Phil emerging from the room, quote, white as a sheet. She worked on expanding her uh, acting career, this is Bryn, and did land a couple small roles, but nothing substantial. At a Christmas party with the cast of News Radio, she approached Andy Dick asking for cocaine, which he provided. Oh, see, the story that I read was that he offered her cocaine at this News Radio party, and she said no that time, but then quickly relapsed later. It's, I mean, the report I saw was that she was either recently sober or possibly teetering right on her sobriety and knew that of all the people there andy would have cocaine right either way either way she got it, it kind andy of tracks D- either way yep he later said in an interview quote she was already in relapse mode which i didn't even know she had a problem at all in the first place end quote and like relapse is part of recovery and no one can be responsible for your relapse but you and also but i still f- gotta say fuck andy dick but also mm, a yeah. fellow addict is absolutely going to try mm-hmm. to drag a, f- a fellow struggling addict back down into addiction with them. Yeah, totally. Because you, they don't want to be alone. Yeah. No, doing fuck it. That guy. Fuck it. So it completely tracks and makes sense that he would, even if he knew that she was struggling and trying to stay sober, mm-hmm. to not respect that. Yeah, he wouldn't give a shit either way. And of course, he's going to claim he didn't fucking know because why wouldn't he claim that? Right. So the couple did seek therapy together and seemed very committed to repairing their relationship, despite Phil occasionally cracking jokes on set that Bryn was going to divorce him. On May 27th, 1998, the Hartman family babysitter Lorraine Moss was watching the children and waiting for Phil to return home to relieve her. Quote, I was waiting for Phil to come home because it was going to be the time for me to go. Bryn had just gone out, but she wasn't going to be back until late. So Phil was going to take over and taking care of the children, end quote. Bryn had gone out for drinks with her friend Christine, and around 10.15 p.m., she and Christine parted ways, and Bryn made her way to the home of Ron Douglas, a former lover. Mm-hmm. Ron denies any sexual activity with her, but told police that she had come over, had a few beers with him, and vented about the issues in her marriage before leaving his home at 12.45 a.m. Three hours later, she returned to Ron's home, pounding on the door. He opened it for her, and she told him, quote, I killed Phil. I don't know why, end quote. (gasps) Jesus. Oh, my Mm -hmm. God. She opened her purse, and a handgun fell out onto the floor. Ron took the gun and put it in the trunk of his car. They then drove their separate cars back to the Hartman home. At this point, Ron was like, okay, crazy. I don't think that 
what? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, he didn't, like, he didn't believe, believe that it, she had, yeah. So he's like, okay, I'm going to take this gun. Let's go home and, like, let's assess this situation. He's not, Ron's not trying to be a creeper. He's, right. like, actually trying to verify and figure out what the fuck is he going on. He just straight up does not believe He doesn't that it believe happened. it. Because yeah. this seems like, it seems so unbelievable. Yeah, he had ju- she had just been hanging out at his house. Exactly. So they went back to the Hartman home and Ron entered to find Phil in his bed, dead from three gunshot wounds. God. Ron called 911 while Bryn locked herself in the bedroom with Phil's body. Police arrived and Ron opened his trunk to hand over the gun that he had taken from Bryn. Unaware that there were other weapons in the home, police entered and broke down the door to the locked bedroom. They found Phil in bed and Bryn on the floor beside the bed, now also dead from a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Jesus Christ. So they had multiple guns. Mm Mm-hmm. God. The children were physically unharmed, thank God, and taken to the police station. A close family friend arrived early in the morning to take the children to a nearby park. Quote, I remember I was pushing Sean on a swing. I said, Sean, is there anything I could do for you? And he said, no. He said, my mom promised me she'd take me to a lot of fun places and now she'll never be able to. Oh, oh my God. Oh, it's my God. It's just so sad. How old was Sean at this time? Sean probably was five or six and Bergen was like two or three. So God. Sean knew that his parents were. Dead. The concept of death was not like. Impossible. 100%, but not, but he, he understood but he that knew he was that not going to see her again. He, okay, so he had mm-hmm. been told that. Yeah, were, I mean, they were in the house. They heard the gunshots. All the police are there. Like, oh they, they, they knew. Yeah. Jesus. Quote, Bergen looked like she was more in shock than anything else. And I remember her saying, I know I'll never see my mommy and daddy again. I don't know how she knew, but it was one of the worst days of my life seeing those kids. So, logistically, those kids heard the first three gunshots. And mm-hmm. then she left them at the house mm-hmm. and drove to Ron's house, Ron's and, then house came back. and then came back. Wow. Mm-hmm. An autopsy revealed that Bryn Hartman had a blood alcohol level of 0.12, as well as cocaine and Zoloft in her system that night. SNL co-star John Lovitz, Lovitz has since blamed Andy Dick for causing Bryn's relapse and holds him responsible for the murder-suicide. This is obviously misplaced anger, grief, and anguish. But like I said, fuck Andy Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like fuck Andy Dick. Andy Dick didn't help si- the situation, no. but he also cannot be blamed for Bryn's. No, he's not 100% choices. responsible. He did not make it any better. Yeah. That yeah. Both of those things can yeah. be true. Quote, I didn't cause her to relapse. That's one of the misconceptions. That is not true. Not true. Like for real, Dick said. Quote, I didn't cause her to relapse and I didn't give her cocaine and then she ran off, got a gun and shot her husband and herself. No, that happened six months later. End quote. Yeah. But it doesn't forgive him for literally saying to John Lovitz at a fucking restaurant, quote, I put the Phil Hartman hex on you. You're the next to die. Jesus Christ. I saw that quote as well. Because they had a feud. No, John Lovitz is still alive. But they were feuding because it was very public and publicly understood that John Lovitz pl- blamed him for this tragedy. Right. And Andy Dick is just being an asshole about it. Yeah. It's like, yes, it would be painful to be blamed for the death of your friend and also feel like you may have been responsible for it. But like you don't get to go like you can't compound that pain with more shit. Right. It's just all so fucking sad and fucked up. And like all of these comedians rose at a similar time in history and they were all friends and they all worked together. Yeah. And then and just, just the unimaginable happened. Yes. 
and ev- and no one knows what the fuck to do. Like that's a level of grief that you just I don't think it's even really possible to fully process. I remember this story in the news so clearly. Yeah. God. Yeah. I remember some of it, but like what year was this? 98. Uh, 98. Well, we were like die hard Simpsons family. Yeah. Well, and so like, we were in like fifth or sixth grade when this happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents were like devastated about yeah. this. It was a big deal. We always watched news radio and everything. It was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so it was, shocking. Yes, exactly. So also seeking answers in their pain, Greg filed a lawsuit. So Bryn's brother filed a lawsuit against Pfizer, the manufacturers of Zoloft, on behalf of the Hartman estate. Quote, I did file a lawsuit against Pfizer alleging that the use of Zoloft caused my sister not to know what she was doing and she shot her husband. And when she came out of that, she shot herself. End quote. Obviously, I am on Zoloft. I do not believe this to be true. And there's, I mean, we'll get to it right now, but... When, when, the, when the lawsuit was filed in 1999, Pfizer gave a statement to Salon Health that, quote, there's no scientific or medical evidence that Zoloft causes violent or suicidal behavior. Like, in the beginning stages of taking a new SSRI or antidepressant, you can have escalated symptoms of existing depression, anxiety, and suicidal ideation, but it won't, it, at least scientifically, there's nothing to say that it will make that appear out of nowhere. Yeah. And there's no... We don't know if she was experiencing those kinds of severe symptoms. So it's just look, we're not we're obviously not doctors or pharmacists. No. We don't know what dose she was on. Also, mm-hmm. she was like mixing it with a lot of alcohol and yes. other drugs. We don't cocaine. Cocaine, but like mm-hmm. it's not like you're ever just taking pure cocaine. Like who the fuck else right. knows what was in that? Right. And how and all a of that of interacts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and obviously probably some other mental issues given like how she reacted to the nice note yeah. mailed to them after the birth of their first child. There's so, it's, there's so there's much, too going, much on. going on. Yeah. Well, I can never know. And no. we, I, the three I, of us will no. surely never know. I, if I were on yeah. that jury, I would not no. find. Well, it never even got that far. Yeah. The suit was settled out of court for a hundred grand and there was no admission of any wrongdoing. So Pfizer was just like, we're sorry that you're going through this. Here is a tiny here, amount of money to us. To us, yeah. Here's 10 bucks. Just please go away. Yeah. So the children ended up in the custody of Bryn and Greg's sister, Kathy, and her husband, who raised them with a calm and quiet life in the Midwest. They are now both in their late 30s, early 40s. Sean is an artist and Bergen is a business owner. Wow. And that is comedian crimes. <laughs> oh, Jesus. We can make anything sad. I'm Troy McClure. <laughs> um, well, thank you to Troy McClure and also to our fan picker, Cindy Bianco. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Cindy. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, too. We but didn't I'm know. Of, I'm all out of good jokes, so I don't have one for the end of this episode. I've, I've told them all. I God. I like can never remember a joke. Mm-hmm. I panic and then I and then my mind goes blank. Love it. It's fine. Oh, I, I, I do have a, I do have a joke. No. No. Bear so <sighs> walks into a bar and order he says, "Could I have a rum and coke?" And the bartender said, "Why the big pause?" And the bear goes, "I don't know. I've been born with I was born with them." 
Okay. Okay, on that note, we love you. We're so sorry. Thank Please you. don't delete us. Please. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye. We're sorry. Bye. Thanks for listening to Wine and Crime. Our cover art is by Kala Yip. Music by Phil Young and Corey Wendell. Editing by Jonathan Camp. Check out our website and blog at wineandcrimepodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at wineandcrimepod. If you have questions, answers, or recommendations to share, email us at wineandcrimepodcast at gmail.com. Episodes are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, basically wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. It is the best way to spread the word. If you'd like to show your support, visit our Patreon page to keep this podcast and the wine flowing. Cheers. Cheers.